Hi, I'm Arlene McIntyre, Creative Director at Ventura Design, and you're listening to Shut the Front Door, a lighthearted podcast that will bring you through the front door and into the homes of influential and interesting people. Home for me is one of the most important things in my life. My career has fortunately given me the opportunity to work closely with people and to help them create a home they will cherish forever. Today on Shut the Front Door, we are joined by entrepreneur and TV personality, Spencer Matthews. Spencer was a much-loved character on E4's reality TV show, Made in Chelsea. And since the show, he's gone down the entrepreneurial route and established successful companies such as Eden Rocks, a bespoke diamond retailer, and Clinko. In 2018, Spencer married the lovely Vogue Williams, and the couple have two beautiful children, Theodore and Gigi Margot. Spencer, we can't wait to hear all about your story of home. Welcome to Shut the Front Door. Thank you very much, Aline. Cheers for that lovely intro. <laughs> is it snowing in London today? It certainly is. It's like a blizzard outside. Um, but, you know, you're not supposed to leave the house for anything other than a walk. So to be fair, it's not that big a deal. So it's um, so you've been out and about this morning, up and early, ready for the week. I, I went for a quick run around the park. I just feel that, uh, well, in particular, on a Monday morning, you've got to start your week strong. eh? Otherwise, it's quite easy uh, in these lockdown times to, to get a bit comfortable. Exactly. And do you bring Winnie out with you when you're running or do you go solo? I certainly do. He's uh, He's got a few years on the clock now. So if you, if you fancy kind of a speed lap, he's not the best <laughs> companion. Uh, but if you're going for a nice slow lap just to stretch your legs or a couple of laps, then no problem. But um, you wouldn't take him with you if you're looking to break any records. Exactly. And how is Vogue, Theo and Gigi? They're just fantastic. I feel very lucky every day to have uh, such a a lovely family. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Um, Mm -hmm. Vogue's awesome. She's my best friend. So obviously for us, um, lockdown's... I mean, obviously, obviously, it's not ideal for for for, for the country, but uh, but no, we're we're very happy getting to spend all this time together. is uh, is a nice uh, change to kind of always being at work. And uh, the kids are the kids. Gigi had a bit of a whingy day yesterday, but that did feel like a first. She's uh, she's pretty pretty epic uh, in general. Um, and Theodore was on great form too. So you know, I think we don't have much to complain about as a family. I can't believe how big Theo is getting. And Theo is like carved out of Vogue and Gigi is literally carved out of you. Yeah, although alarmingly, I did see uh, a photo of Vogue when she was a baby, a similar age to to Gigi, and they look identical. So, um, well, you know, you'd want Gigi to grow up looking more like Vogue than like me. Uh, so, so fortunately, it's, it's probably good news. If, She's uh, so gorgeous. She's absolutely gorgeous. I love following Vogue on Instagram. Both of you are just uh, gorgeous photographs. She's um, Her head is very spherical, um, which is, of course, um, what, what you'd want. Uh, Theodore had a slightly more complicated birth and therefore um, oh. uh, didn't, didn't look quite as... <laughs> Uh, as kind of angelic in the early days um he he was i I don't know the term for it you you will um but he was kind of suctioned out oh lovely yes indeed and uh it meant that he had a slightly longer head than one (laughs) might expect from a child was your experience with vogue um when you were having theo different to Gigi, or was it kind of do you have different memories uh, yeah, I mean, it was completely different. Uh, obviously, the first time you do anything is, um, in particular, childbirth is more daunting than the second, because um, obviously you know what's what awaits uh, in the hospital. But obviously, with Gigi, we had we had COVID as well, so there was a number of. Um, uh, parameters that, that you know we, we had to adhere to, which we didn't have the first time round, and also just the birth was somewhat more complicated the first time round. At one point, it looked like we might uh, the Vogue may have needed a, a C-section due to complications, and actually it worked out uh, differently in the end. But no, the first one was uh, certainly more traumatic than the, the rather straightforward second one. Um, mm. So no, the second one was 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 uh, it was a completely different deal, much easier. And are you sleeping well? You guys getting your sleep? Yeah, uh, not too bad. Gigi still requires one feed in the night, which I do uh, most evenings. I'd say Vogue carries more weight uh, than I do uh, with with the kids typically during the day. So I do the night feed. Um, And uh, essentially, 
it's fine. There's that kind of one disturbance. We've become huge fans of of the Whoop. I don't know if you know what a Whoop is. No, I don't. Um, it's uh, it's a device uh, that you wear around your your wrist, sort of like a Fitbit, and it and it measures your daily exertion, which they call strain, um, mm-hmm. and your sleep are, the, are its kind of two main metrics. And it's sure if you're into your sport and you're kind of you know relatively fit, it. You, you compete against yourself essentially um but it tells you when you should be exerting high levels of strain on your body and when you shouldn't uh in accordance with your sleep incredible thing actually uh, right. and so we we actually we, we we know kind of to the second how much sleep we're getting <laughs> at night because it, it, it can tell when you're awake and when you're asleep and it kind of breaks it down for you it's a lot of kind of data that i never thought i'd want um but actually it's kind of addictive when you when you get hold of one I need to get one of those. I actually it's pretty cool, actually, and they're, 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 they're remarkably accurate. Like if you go for a little jog and you forget to say that you've been running, it'll tell you you've been running. That's unreal. That's yeah. very cool. And where did you get it? Just online? Yeah, just online. I th- I'm probably just at whoop.com. This isn't an advert, by the way. I'm, I'm in no way. <laughs> yeah, I'm in no way with. Um, <laughs> I'm in no way a part of Whoop. Uh, but uh, but no, I, I kind of got turned on to it by a few people. Um, I noticed from the states had had them and. Cool. We tr- tried them out, and actually, it's, it's quite easy to. Uh, if, if you, if I'll send you a link to one, and I'll get a free month. So there you go. How about that? Excellent. I'd love one. I'm. Then I you can pass it on to all your pals, and you'll never have to pay for your monthly subscription either. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a good plan. So Spencer, there is loads of questions I'd love to start asking you, and if I may, I'd love to learn about your first childhood memories of home. Wow. Um, my first childhood memories of home were. Uh, in a, a very small town that no one would have heard of called Cornton. Um, I was born in Grantham in the same hospital as Margaret Thatcher. My dad still, for whatever reason, reminds me of. <laughs> um, and uh, and we lived in a, in a very quiet, uh, incredibly uh, kind of underpopulated area of England called Cornton, just next to Newark. Uh, and you won't have heard of Newark either, I suppose. And so that's near Nottingham, which is, of course, where Robin Hood is from. Oh. Um, so as a kid, I remember, I remember being uh, somewhat close to Robin, uh, although my archery was never quite on a par with with his um so yeah no small town i think i think you know 60 68 people or 70 people live in Cornton. tiny 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 town like you know even as a very young child you could bike around the town in no time at all you know 10 minutes type thing um so that was interesting i grew up there with my my brothers um for four years something like that four or five years okay um and then actually I spent a year in Paris as a, as a, as a tiny kid at school in Paris, um, which actually, you know, I realize that it's probably not for everyone, but if you'd like your kid to speak different languages, it's, uh, incredibly easy for young children to pick up yes. foreign languages. They're like sponges. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, I did, a I did, you know, 10, 11 months in Paris, French got pretty good and then ended up relocating to, um, the Caribbean permanently. So I lived in St. Bart's my, my, my whole childhood really. Um, so, so it was a mix of wow. uh, English countryside. So, you know, nothing to do with, uh, a city of any kind, kind of, you know, rolling hills type thing, bike rides, you know, li- little mates on, on trampolines and stuff. I was very young. Um, I remember my, uh, an early birthday waking up to, uh, purple and gold balloons and Sue Innes, our neighbor had made me a chocolate cake shaped like a rabbit. So I remember that, um, which was very kind of her. Mm. Uh, but I suppose more of my childhood memories are, are from, are from the Caribbean and St. Bart's my, my mother and father bought a, a kind of really run down four bedroom. What was then a hotel, um, it, it, on a really small, islands uh, called St. Bart's, which really had, um, well, I say it had very little going for it, but it was a kind of diamond in the rough, I suppose, um, it, yet to be polished. Um, you know, there was, there was kind of, it was surf shack here, burger shack there type thing. And now, um, 
I don't know how many of your listeners will, will, will be familiar with St. Bart's, but now it's St. Bart's. So it's a bit different, you know, and we've, um, yes. we kept that house on and, and grew it to, to, to be the Eden Rock Hotel. And that's certainly my mum and dad's kind of primary focus or has been, um, since 1995. Um, but everyone always says, you know, oh, wow, I'm so lucky to have grown up in Eden Rock. And of course, they're talking about the kind of Eden Rock now. Uh, which is uh, a bit different to the Eden Rock that I grew up in, but nonetheless, it was incredibly exciting and interesting. And, you know, there's there's no crime at all uh, on St. Bart's. It's always been the case. It's a bit of a strange island like that. There's no there's no legal gambling. There's no... Um, Mm. There's, there's no kind of prostitution there's no there's no there's no there's no there's no fast food even it's, it's very it's a very strange there's no kind of cause for uh criminal activity it's also it's a very small island you know you can walk everywhere you're very safe uh yeah. so for kids actually it's kind of it's kind of perfect i'm not saying that you know if you leave your watch on your car seat it's not going to get nicked but but you know it's uh it's um t- typically speaking it's, it's crime free essentially you know what's and, the population um, the population kind of quadruples uh, for a month of the year in December. I'd have to double check it. I, th- I, I think it's about 30,000 people live there all year round. Wow. And then there's about uh, 100 to 120,000 people that descend upon it for kind of the high season, which is about three weeks at the end of the year. Um, so it, it's it's very small, but it's kind of not that small, if you know what I mean. It's, uh, it's yeah. kind of like Hoth, I guess, where, where Vogue is from. It would be a similar similar size to Hoth, you would imagine. Maybe it's yeah. a bit bigger than Hoth. Gotcha. I've only been to Hoth a few times. Beautiful part of the world. It sure is. And, yes. and so where do you call, like, home? Where, where would you call your home home? Is it is it um, London? St. Bart's feels like home to me. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, I love it there. I've always felt... Uh, a kind of deep connection with the island. Obviously, London I, I see as being our, our primary home. It's where our kids live, and you know, it's home to them. And uh, and obviously, I'm, I'm not in St. Bart's uh, long enough at all to, to call it um, home. It's uh, it's where our primary kind of family business is. So obviously, mm-hmm. um, I'm out there at key times of the year. Um, I'm a director of the business, so so you know, as well as it being a wonderful place to holiday, there's um, there's plenty of work to be done when we're out there as well, uh, which is both you know fun and, and pleasurable. Nice place, um, but uh, no, it's, it's exciting. And Vogue is much loved, and and you know we uh, we love getting out there as often as possible. Yeah, but, uh, but, no, I'd, have to, I'd have to say that uh, London probably is is you know where I should call home. So tell me then, when did you come back to London? What, what age were you then? Um, I came back to London age 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a couple of years in quite a strict um, school called Trevor Roberts. Um, and that was kind of very little sport, loads of work. Uh, the idea being that, you know, if you want to go to, um, schools, which, you know, certainly at the time were considered to be, um, you know, high end or whatever that the, the, they would, they would, uh, they would give you a good chance of getting in. So I actually didn't particularly enjoy those two years. Um, I, I, I remember, you know, the school was great and the teachers and stuff were fantastic and I get what they're doing, but as a kid, it's kind of not, you know, you hear of other schools where you're playing sport all the time and you're interacting with kids. This, this was very much kind of right. Let's hammer you as hard as you possibly can, you know, across these, these subjects so that you can get into, you know, a good secondary school. So it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the greatest uh, time I've ever had. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, then yeah, kind of, I, I, I've lived in London ever since really, um, went to boarding school, uh, and then did a year in in California for for university before coming back here to work in the city. Wow! So you have gotten around. You've definitely travelled. I love it. I think yeah. it's I think it's important for for young kids to jump around a bit and experience other things. Um, you know, my education for many years was one hundred percent in French. You know, the English teacher could hardly speak English. <laughs> um, so, so, so I think it's, uh, but that's, yeah. that's interesting. And, you know, that mm. means that I now have French as a second language, which I, I speak to Theodore actually in, in French. Gigi's obviously a bit young. She, she can't speak English, bless her, but, but I speak to, um, 
to Theodore in French some days. I try and remember to speak to him from, you know, dawn until dusk in, in French. It never happens, obviously, because you, you forget. But, uh, but um, he understands you. Not really. He, he kind of sort of does because I, I kind of, you know, point and gesture and things that he would ordinarily understand. I then say in French and I do the same thing that I would if I was saying it in English. So I think he'll, he is kind of making the bridge. He's slightly young, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I, th- I think, I think the kind of key age is maybe four, you know, yes. four or five is, is when you, when it really sinks in quickly. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I'd love, I'd love them to be able to speak French, Italian, whatever. It's not, it's not, you know, if you can, uh, and, and I realize it's not, uh, it's probably not a popular choice, nor is it one that's common, but you know, if you're, uh, if you're able to just, you know, jump over to some somewhere else just for the fun of it you know when they're really young for totally. even a few months it's interesting right yeah totally ali for example my little girl um understands german when jürgen speaks german to her and she understands italian when her sister speaks italian to her well, there uh, you go. you've got a multilingual family exactly and and our and our and our little minder is uh romanian and she understands romanian and it's like i i i can barely speak english and i cannot believe that she's responding to all these different languages and she's only 18 months so yeah when they're young that's the time yeah i mean it's, it's great i i personally feel that being able to communicate in different languages is is a great skill to have um definitely you know, i think um of all the things that I kind of picked up from school, I'd say that that's uh, easily the most useful. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, Spencer, what posters did you have on your teenage walls, bedroom walls, but it doesn't sound like you had posters on your teenage bedroom walls. No, I will have had some posters at school for sure. I'm just trying to think of who they may have been of. Um, I think I was never a trendsetter. Um, so I would often try and just follow what was popular at the time or what other, other kids thought was cool. I was never the coolest kid in class, um, okay. but uh, I was just trying to think. Yeah, I remember actually with my mum going to Selfridges a few days before the first uh, day. I don't know why we were in Selfridges looking at music when back then you had HMV and, and all sorts of actual music shops, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure there was an HMV in Selfridges and we went in there to, to pick music for um, school because I had a little CD player. Mm-hmm. And I can remember just picking kind of just what was deemed to be cool. great music at the time. Yeah. Coldplay, yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. Maggie, I think somehow made his way into that list. <laughs> um, you know, and there was a bunch of stuff and I remember kind of listening to it and actually really enjoying it, but I, I didn't know what it was before. I've never been particularly musical. But you can sing. Um, you can really sing. Well, not really. Like bits and pieces. Yes, you can. I've heard you sing. You can sing. Um, well. I have a bit of fun singing at home. I wouldn't put the rest of the world through it, I don't think. <laughs> In the so, shower, perhaps. What are your memories of your um, family home style? Like what kind of style would they have had? It was a lovely house. Um, I mean, some of the property that you can get in England just just as soon as you leave a big city is just fantastic, actually. Yeah. But value for money is 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 crazy. Here's my wife. Hello. Come with Arlene. Arlene's mine. Hi, Arlene. We're just talking Hi. about. Good we morning, talking, We were just talking about how stylish Vogue is, weren't we, Arlene? Oh. Yeah. Off you get. She's hijacked our, our interview, Arlene. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine what you're talking about, Arlene. If he tries to say he had anything to do with Hoth, put him back in his place. I, Don't I you worry. Mention Hoth. I, I got actually, your back. I may, I, I may have said that Hoth was pretty, but I'm not quite sure why. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Ciao. See you. She's still here, but let's crack on, Arlene. Okay. Um, God, while well, I have Vogue, I'd love to ask her a question. While you're right, both here. Vogue, it turns out that there's actually a question for you. While I have you guys, how is life with two babies during the lockdown? Oh, it's what? lovely. I already told you, Arlene. Why I did want you to hear Vogue's story. Her series of events. You don't uh, believe me. <laughs> it's kind of gotten to the point, right, where like we're That's so bad. used to spending so much time with them that I had to go out filming the other day and I just found myself thinking, God, I don't want to go out. I don't want to leave them because you're with them. Like for the most part of every day, we work from home, but like I'm always up and down and seeing them. And I think it's been great actually. And we've got to spend time with Gigi that we never would have gotten had, um, had we been working. So it's been good. I can't complain. How funny. That's exactly what I said. I, it is exactly. This is like a game show. I was just testing. <laughs> well, there you go. We're the same. Okay. I'll let you guys get back to your pod. Oh, okay. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. About, about time. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>
um, um, what was I talking about? Well, I mean, it's a shame you don't have um, your video on. I'm rocking a mustache. Oh, fabulous! I was rather hoping that we could like a Burt it. Reynolds style. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Wow, but actually, it's pretty high end. I can see myself keeping it. I'm a bit of a fan of the mustache. Um, I've been um, watching a few shows on Netflix mm-hmm. uh, and bits and pieces, and I, I've seen a couple of one guy I thought looked a little bit similar to me. I was thinking, I was like, oh, look, he's 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 cool looking, and he had a mustache, and I thought maybe I'll try a mustache. Wow. And here we are. And do you have like the handlebars sort of situation? No, no, it's just just a bog standard kind of tash. presidential tash. Yeah. Interesting. And how does Vogue feel about the third member of your family, or no, the the fourth, fifth member of your family? Got the mustache. Go on. I mean, it's not the nicest thing I've ever but seen. But it's ridiculous. You said it's to okay. keep it. Okay. Why do you tell me to do things? And then as I soon as I, and then we're on the it. podcast and you say it's crap. I didn't tell you to do it. That's you nonsense. told yourself No, no, no. Vogue, Vogue loves it. Don't you, darling? Okay. I love it. There you go. And are, how, how are you maintaining it? Because my dad, when we were small, had a mustache and he used to there get these kind of kits. He sounds like a legend. And he would have this kit and it was actually disgusting. Oh, well, no, I haven't got a kit. I don't think we're anywhere near kit level. I've just like, I've essentially grown out facial hair and shaved around my mustache like Lovely. twice. So, mm. you know, it's kind of beard length and nothing else is there. You know, well, it's it's important probably just to get it out of your system. You know, no harm in, in trying it out. a good bash. Yeah, why not? And when it gets to the handlebar phase, I think you'll probably need to yeah. check in with yourself. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Well, let's see if we can keep it under control, will we? Yeah, definitely. Keep. You need to post that. Everyone needs to see how that's evolving. That's incredible. That's like your lockdown touch. I don't really post anymore much. You I, should. I, yeah, I know. I just, I'm, I'm not interested. People would love to see how that tash is developing, and it could just no, take on its own Instagram page. That's part of the reason I don't like uh, Instagram is the fact that I'm sure people would be interested in watching somebody else's facial <laughs> hair grow. Um, but unfortunately, I think I, I just don't, I don't get it. I know that you're, in, you're big into your Instagram. Well, my business is, I don't know mm. that I am personally, to be yeah. honest, not myself. You'd, I rarely kind of post stuff about my own private life, but I feel like it's, yeah. almost, it's almost impossible to feel like an adult when you're on Instagram. Mm. Unless yeah. it's for the business, obviously. Like Cleanco has has a uh, an Instagram account, obviously, yes. and we very much value our following for that. I'm just talking uh-huh. about on a personal level. I, I don't really yeah. see the point in updating people with you know how I'm working out and what I'm having for lunch, and you know it's kind of it's none of their business, really. Interesting. So let me get back to my questions because I have five hundred thousand questions for you. Excellent. No so um, you've recently bought a home in Hoth with your fabulous wife, Vogue. Okay. So are you excited to experience the whole kind of Irish culture for longer periods of time? You know, when we're allowed to travel again or? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's so different to us, to be honest. Um, like, you know, if you go to Fiji, they've got a different culture. If you go to kind of like the deep South in America, they've got kind of different culture. But Ireland is like, I don't know. I, f- I think they're pretty similar, no? But you do a serious impression of an Irish accent, Spencer. It's like it's like a fusion of Irish, different Irish accents all rolled into one. I know. Well, I take kind of my favorite Irish people and I blend them all together. Right. You kind of remind me of, have you ever seen Snatch? Yeah. Remember Brad Pitt's impersonation of an Irish accent? It's for me, ma. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. You'd be like, so what do you think about having a flamingo down in your basement? <laughs> What's your new place like? You've got your new... Have you not been? No, I've only seen photos. Oh, it's great. Um, I, I purchased the, the... There was a B1 commercial space beneath us, an office space, which I bought. Um, never with the intention, actually, of using it as an office. Well, I suppose we you know, we can do, uh, but I just thought, you know, it's a space directly beneath the house, and I just thought it would be great to have both areas, especially, you know, if we, if we um, want to, to have a larger family, uh, it would be yeah. useful to have the space. So, you know, we're just yeah. figuring out how to conjoin the, the two spaces and turn it into a much larger uh, living area, which would be great. 
It's incredible. Your location's really, really handy where you are because you're just you're close to everything. Really, you're the I think it's absolutely all. perfect. Well, you've got the park. Yeah. Uh, you've got supermarkets. You've got the Royal College mm-hmm. of Art just next door. Not that I ever pop in there for a class, but you know, it's it's there. You uh, never know. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's it's great actually. It's it's all very. Uh, it's exactly where you'd want to be. Feels nice and safe. You're right on the water. A couple of beautiful bridges on either side. It's it's, it's awesome actually. So apart from um, a Vogue uh, in being in this question, what do you love most about Ireland and what do you like least about it? I love the people. Everyone's typically very friendly and accommodating and, and good fun. Uh, you can't ever knock the Irish for, for not being a good laugh. Everyone's sense of humor is always on point. Um, obviously, Hoth and the scenery is lovely. It's very quiet, which is nice, obviously. You know, there's nothing to to really get your, your teeth stuck into there, but that's great. I feel that whenever we do go there, it'll be just to, you know, relax, play a bit of golf, chill. You know, uh, I couldn't see myself living there full time, I have to say. Um, okay. Uh, but, uh, well, unless we were kind of much older, perhaps. But, but you like uh, golf. You, you enjoy the golf over here, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm by no means a great golfer, but I enjoy sport in general. So for me, golf is um, is great fun. You know, I, I enjoy uh, getting out there and giving it a good go. I'll go around and kind of, you know, I've been around my course in 15 and, you know, I go around kind of Port Marnock and much, much more than that because it's <laughs> much harder. But uh, but no, it's, it's good fun. So tell me all about your company, Cleanco. Uh, well, I used to I used to drink uh, to excess pretty regularly. Uh, never really saw it as a kind of huge issue. I was always quite good fun. I don't think I was a terrible drunk at any point. Uh, but, you know, just habitually, I would have a drink in my hands, you know, most evenings just from developing poor habits over over the course of many years of you know working in the city working in nightlife um being a very social guy being on television uh so you know i I always had a kind of excuse to drink and i thought actually what would my life be like if i just stopped drinking uh so i so i gave up drinking um and I, i kind of almost immediately loved it like just loved it became really hooked on this kind of feeling of being optimal and being productive yeah. and creative and full of energy and the ability to train harder and lift more weight and run faster and be clear. I was just like, it was amazing. I like, I, I hadn't ever really given it a break. So to give it this break and to see what was possible, it felt like kind of Bradley Cooper taking one of those pills in Limitless. Yeah. Um, it was very yeah. similar to that. Genuinely, I was like, what the hell? Really? Like, I had the cloudiest mind for years now. Yeah. Um, and now it's kind of unmurky. Uh, and in that period of sobriety, uh, I would notice that there was just nothing to, there was nothing to fill that uh habit of, of kind of you know when people are out in the park it's not like my life became less social i'd still go out and stuff but i would choose not to drink and by choosing not to drink there was nothing to replace that drink um alcohol free beer was you know on the on the up uh but actually it's kind of empty calories it's, pr- it's pretty calorific to drink alcohol free beer especially if you have you know five six seven of them it's very blo- i always felt very bloaty i was not much of a beer drinker anyway um so i thought well, why doesn't alcohol free gin exist uh and then of course as i started looking there was one company at the time uh called seedlip that, that did something similar to what i was thinking but it didn't encapsulate the kind of core value of replacing gin uh it was just something in itself it was something different you know made with bark and peas and grass and 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 stuff that i wouldn't expect to find in my gin fantastic product amazing company and concept but Mm -hmm. it, it was very complicated and didn't really do it for me so i looked to create clean gin and clean rum and clean whiskey clean tequila clean vodka to essentially replicate the feeling and and taste and taste sensation of drinking an alcoholic drink without the alcohol and uh we're coming to the end of our first financial year now and um this is going in, in incredibly well um yeah. we're doing uh no doing doing massive kind of monthly numbers you know more than i ever thought we would well not more than i ever thought we would but faster than i thought we would get there um and uh no, we've raised, uh, 
you know, a really healthy chunk of money. And we've got people on board now that I could have only dreamed of, like famous industry professionals um, are now helping us develop our kind of US plan and and will be helping us run the US business. And it's, uh, no, we're on to, to something really exciting. I mean, it went from trying to fill a gap in the market to potentially changing the world. Uh, with the people that we've got involved, obviously, I couldn't do that single-handedly. Um, but it's it's very exciting, and, and it's um, it's amazing where it's got to in the time that we've been trading. Unbelievable! And do you ever kind of think forward, like when Theo or Gigi want to, you know, enter into that kind of world of maybe having a drink? How would you feel about that? Like I don't mind. Drink? I, don't, I don't mind them drinking alcohol at all. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be the first to give them a sip of beer or or wine uh, or, or whatever. And her, I, I, I don't have a thing against alcohol at all. I'm not. I'm not anti-alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I probably abused alcohol, uh, which obviously most people don't. Uh, and uh, it took me longer than I guess most to realise that my life would be better off without it. Um, mm. I think most people kind of choose and make that decision probably earlier and easier than, than I did. I, I was just always, I, I was always driven by being the center of attention. I, I loved being out the latest and I was always kind of competitive, but in all the wrong ways, you know, uh, yeah. I suppose. So, so for me, it was, um, it was just a question of reining it in. I, you know, I suspect that I had some engine on me, you know, I'd love to go out, out and out and out and out. And it is kind of, I, I just think that most people don't have that appetite. So it isn't an issue for most people, but if Theodore decides he wants to drink a bit and, you know, one night he'll inevitably go too far and he'll end up feeling really sick. And, you know, I think he needs to make his own mind up. You know, I don't think you'd ever be a parent that forces your son to be vegan or, teetotal or you know i I just think you know they they should certainly make their own mind up i think i'll definitely give them a steer in the right direction if it looked as though it was becoming uh, a bit of a regular issue yeah um i would be the first to to tell him about you know all of my experiences but i do it in a really friendly way you know i don't think you'd ever i think i think you you can you can have respect for your father if you're treated like an adult I think pushing kids away uh, and, and, you know, imposing yourself on them only makes them want to go the other way, typically, from what I've seen anyway. Definitely. Um, so I think it, it's important that he just would has, has a comprehensive understanding of alcohol and its effects and, you know, how it can go wrong. Yeah, I don't think definitely. it's essential to kind of, you know, lay down the law as such. Kids will be kids, you know. If you treat them too strictly, in my opinion, they'll break out the window and they'll go out all night. You know, that's just the way it's going to be. Unfortunately, that's so true. I think they need to just feel like they're in control of their own decisions, but be given all of the right information to make the correct decisions. Yes, exactly. And I think even in the future, we're going to see less and less of a lot of things. I think that there's just a healthier generation coming, you know, up after us. Well, I mean, 50% is estimated and, you know, you never really know where you get this data from and it varies from, you know, from uh, platform to platform. But, you know, it's estimated that 50% of kids who leave school don't drink, you know, like it's literally that high. Um, and and kids, kids are looking to spend their money on experiences they can remember and share, you know, whether that be on social media or just out with their mates, um, you know, falling out of a nightclub, hammered drunk on your hands and knees, you know, is not cool anymore. You know, that, 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 whereas it kind of was before. Yeah. Um, so I think they're doing themselves a favor anyway. And it's my personal opinion that in, you know, in a few years time or as early as, you know, five or 10 years, full strength alcohol will have far less of a place in society I agree. Um, than, than it does currently. I agree. Just it's all about mindfulness and fitness and yeah. your health, and it's. I think it's, it's like health. You know, well, yeah. I, I said I, I say that the, the company was born from noticing a, a, a trend in in people who desired a healthier lifestyle, and it and it's kind of health is. It doesn't matter how you look at it. Health is the most important thing in your life. You know True. that 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 is a fact. Um, so it's kind of. 
anything that you can do to bridge the gap between desire and compromise is rewarded nowadays. So like, you know, if you want a big filthy deep pan stuffed crust pizza, uh, but the compromise is to have a carrot, you know, that, 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 that is a big gap between what you're looking to consume or feel like consuming For sure. and what you're giving yourself in order to be healthier. That's why, uh, when the gap was that large, that's why a lot of people say didn't take the leap into being a vegan or a vegetarian, even if the information that they were presented with, um, even if you read something and you go, right, okay, fine. I can completely understand why having a plant-based diet is healthier for me, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to eat a plant instead of a steak. And that was the kind of where we were a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And the gap between desire and compromise has now been shortened to the point where before, if you were having a nut roast when you fancied a roast, then came corn, then came the veggie burger, and then came a kind of cheeseburger, if you fancied a cheeseburger. Uh, and you know that now you've got companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Meat who can give you that experience of having a cheeseburger without having any meat and so the, the it's easier now to be vegan than it was a few years ago and we're aiming to bridge that gap between compromise and desire for, for alcohol so those who feel like they want to take the edge off their day and by the way alcohol does not take the edge off your day uh the the, the feeling and the ritual of pouring yourself an alcoholic drink oh no like at the end of a tough week i yeah. i often wonder is it the alcohol that makes you feel like you're decompressing or is it because no. it's the end? I don't know. Well, actually, actually, actually we, we can say with a degree of confidence that it's not the alcohol. Mm. Um, and actually we're running, we're doing um, some really exciting tests to, to, to be able to prove that it's not the alcohol. So when you're stressed or anxious and you've had a long day and you come back and you crack open the alcoholic drink and you take that first sip and you go, oh, I feel so much better. The time that you've taken the sip to, to, to that feeling that it couldn't possibly be the alcohol that, that's alleviated you of that kind of stress. And then, you know, when alcohol does course around your system, it, it's only going to, you know, it's only going to make uh, whatever was bothering you worse in the long run. You know, and I, I feel that people already know that, but for whatever reason, when faced with adversity, they, they, they people turn to alcohol, but you know, we're, we're looking to come up with exciting ways of proving that actually if you crack open a bottle of clean gin and pour yourself a clean gin and tonic, it does the exact same thing, uh, for it's you. It's incredible. It's like a placebo industry. effect. Yeah. Well, it is really, I think, I think people are so used to drinking alcohol when, you know, that when they're worried or stressed or under pressure, that actually that feeling of, oh, right, I'm getting this huge release from the alcohol uh, is in your head most of the time. That's unbelievable. I'm gonna, I am gonna. I need to get my hands on some of this gin, to be honest. I haven't well, tried it. Me, if you send me an address, I'll, I'll send you some. I will. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. And I actually really do think you've got a point there. It has to be something like that, a placebo effect. It's just the whole, oh, God, I can't wait to you know open up a bottle of wine on a Friday evening. And it's just that whole kind of ritual. Yeah, but you think is what it's going to help decompress you after a tough week, but in fact, it's probably nothing to do with that at all. I mean, a good run would would, would do you far more good, like legitimately. I know it kind of requires a bit more effort than opening a bottle of wine, but if you're feeling like a bit pent up and you're feeling a bit subdued or or or, uh, or upset for any reason, if you lace up your shoes and go for a nice slow lap of whatever park you live next to, it's going to be. Yeah. far more wondrous for you and your mental health than than any glass of wine ever could be. That's for sure. I remember a couple of years ago, I, it was after one Christmas time when, you know, you've had loads of wine and loads of dinners and you just feel kind of toxic and tired and all those things. And yeah. I remember going into the health food store and then she said, what were you, what were you drinking over um, Christmas, over the holidays? And I said, well, I wouldn't really drink anything outside of a glass of wine or two. And she said, definitely one glass of wine is really good for your heart. But after that, like the yeah. second glass of wine is when you start poisoning yourself. And I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Scary. No, it is. You know, and also we're, we're not, we're not anti-alcohol as a company. I'm not anti-alcohol either, you know, and I'm not here to preach saying that people shouldn't drink alcohol. I'm just here to highlight, you know, that there's a choice now. Uh, when it comes to 
uh, what level of alcohol you'd like in your drink. You know, that, that's that's all really is. You know, if you're the kind of person who drinks because you're just used to drinking or, you know, you're that's just what you've done your whole life. But actually, you know that you could probably benefit from drinking a bit less alcohol, then Clean Co could be for you. Yeah, sounds good. And I've been reading where sales on home gyms have just like accelerated over the over the lockdown. Yeah. You guys have a gym at home, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So we've got a friend who who, who owns a gym and right at the very beginning we just said, Look, if you're gonna be shutting your gym, could you could you ship us some of your machines and you know, mm-hmm. we'll uh we'll rent them from you and then we'll ship them back, you know, when your gym opens. And he thought that was, that was great. So, so we've done that. We've got a real setup downstairs. I mean, it's an absolute mess really, but as you come in, there's, there's all sorts of, there's everything you'd ever need uh, really, but unfortunately it won't be permanent. Um, but it's uh it's a good idea, right. To, to be able to stay fit and healthy. I mean, Big I know time. that if I stop training or running or, or, you know, even skipping or lifting, I get, um, my shape changes incredibly quickly. So, you know, I can get into very good shape, you know, pretty easily. And I can also, it can go the other way, like very easily as well. Um, So for me, it's uh, essential to kind of keep your foot on the gas. And also I I love doing it. It makes me, uh, makes me feel, um, I guess more, more optimal. I'm all into this uh, optimization piece at the minute. Is healthy eating important to yourself and Vogue? Yes, it is. Uh, but we, we also, um, I suppose it is. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't catch us eating like our diets are not terrible. Uh, but you know, it's kind of, we have very good diets peppered with, uh, you know, it's just a bit of nonsense. Like we, we, we love chocolate. So we'll eat Cadbury's chocolate every (laughs) single day. We'll have chocolate in the morning. We'll have chocolate at lunch. We'll have chocolate at dinner. We'll we'll always just niggle into a, you know, one of those big bars of whole nut, you know, we'll get through a bar of whole nut, a big one every every day. Um, So obviously that's not great for your diet, but Mm -hmm. um, it kind of replaces calories. I I often, you know, I, 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 especially in lockdown, I'll lift and I'll do cardio kind of most days, um, so, you know, in order to, to maintain a kind of certain level of mass, I, I have, I replace just calories that I'd burn on the running machine. Okay. Um, uh, and, and, and kind of essentially, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we eat well, you know, we do a lot of cooking at home. Um, you know, our, our, our diets are pretty, are pretty good. You know, we don't, we don't get big pizzas and big, you know, Indian takeaways, you know, we're, we're very, but we're not we're not militant either, and we you know huge portions by the way. So we're not we don't we don't calorie count. We're not we're not careful Good. with what we eat, but we make sure that we you know eat well. I suppose. Do you have a sweet tooth? Are you more savory, or are you uh, separate to kind of Cadbury chocolates? Would you eat well, anything? We, else? we do have a sweet tooth, but it's kind of limited. You know, you you wouldn't catch us you know baking a big cake and, and eating a cake or. Or um, you know, we're not we're not huge on desserts. We don't nail tubs of ice cream, but you know, Cadbury's <laughs> is a soft spot. We we do we do we do eat Cadbury's every single day. Actually, we said to ourselves last night, we were like, should we do no chocolate for a week? And we both agreed that that was a bad idea. <laughs> you can't you can't yeah. take away your chocolate, especially during a lockdown. Come on, yeah, no, no, we've got to have some pleasures in life. Um, Spencer, I know you're an entrepreneur and I've always wondered this about you. Do you always see like missed opportunities when you're traveling or do you pick up ideas that you'd love to bring back to the UK or? Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm not, uh, I mean, starting a business is incredibly time consuming, uh, and incredibly difficult, especially if, you know, you aim for your startup to be a global business and it's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not local. It's not, you know, you're not just looking to have a bit of fun with it. You know, if you're aiming to build a, a big team of, you know, interesting individuals who are going to take your, your product global, mm-hmm. um, it takes years of your life. So it's, you know, I'm so committed to clean co that I, I do often see a little idea when I'm away and I go, Oh, you know, that'd be great. And what good fun to, to build that. But actually, you know, it, it's so, it's so time consuming and requires so much time and attention that unless you know that it's going to hold your interest for, you know, years to come and you're going to be able to successfully and enthusiastically sell it to people, um, it's complicated. 
Yeah, definitely. I feel like you can't just kind of leaf around and, and you know lily lily frog around and and uh, and, and start a business another business another business another business. I did that for a while when you know I'd have teams of two or three and you know anything that came in above and beyond what the business required to function, we just split three ways and you know we pay our tax and VAT and then we just carry on and crack on with other stuff because you had the time. You know, Cleanco is like. We have forty employees now, nearly. That's incredible! Um, wow. So, so it's like a it's like a proper well, it's a proper thing now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of if I suddenly came in and I said, "Oh my god, I've got this amazing idea for this new pencil sharpener," uh, everyone would be like, "Okay, mate, yeah, so should we should we do it some other time?" Uh, you know. So so actually, I, I feel like I'm very fortunate in that yeah. I, I'm I'm incredibly busy with a, a project that really drives me and that I'm passionate about. So even when I do see some incredible wallet that attaches itself to your phone. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm less tempted to, to dive into it. Are you a super duper organized person, Spencer? Do you like deadlines and are you efficient or how do you kind of, what is uh, your way? Not typically. No. Well, I, well, I am obviously I'm organized enough to, to run a business, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not organized in the sense that I know what I'm, you know, what I need to be doing uh, next week on, on Thursday, you know, I'm quite, um, I'm, I'm pretty, my diary is obviously managed very efficiently and, you know, I know what I'm doing for work. I mean, but Vogue will like, Vogue will know what Theodore's wearing like four days from now. I'm not like that in any way. Um, and I'm pretty relaxed as well. Like, you know, if a plan changes, I'm, I can ride that wave like really easily. Uh, okay. Whereas some people, you know, hate, change or if we've planned mm-hmm. to go to the park and it starts raining you know it's like oh we're going anyway it's like well let's just let's not it's raining now you know <laughs> um so, so yeah I think, I think it's um no i i i i don't i i'm organized enough but not not in like a strange way no what's your morning ritual you wake up in the morning at what time and then how does your average day begin i typically get out of bed at seven i'm usually awake a bit before that uh, and I will immediately have two, uh, full long set red coffee capsules from Nespresso. Mm. Um, I went into Nespresso once and I said, what cap makes you feel like you're having a heart attack immediately? <laughs> uh, and they said that red one. I said, perfect. So I'll buy 400 of them. Uh, I, I love, I love strong coffee. I love coffee. Like I'm a huge coffee guy. Uh, I don't sound it obviously by having an espresso in the morning. We we have a wonderful coffee machine uh, downstairs, and we've got an amazing one in the office as well. I just you know just the nearest one in the morning's fine. Is this the one uh, your mum bought for you? I think it's the one. No, the- she bought us a beautiful toaster. Oh yeah. Oh sorry. Yeah, I thought it was a coffee machine. Sorry. No, and uh, and essentially we um, we have a bit of fun with with that, and it's uh, it's. Uh, I, I, I love coffee. So I'll have coffee and then typically I'll train. Um, and then I'll have breakfast after training, breakfast in the shower after that and, and get going uh, just before nine typically with, with our work day. Our clean co work day starts at nine uh, for, for everybody else. So, uh, so it's nice to be kind of online and available from then onwards. And usually we'll have on Monday mornings, we'll have um, a 9.30 a.m. catch up with the whole team. Uh, and then typically, obviously, you know, being locked down, it's um, more complicated than usual, but we keep in touch with, with, with kind of most people from the team on a daily basis and continue to try and drive the business forward. Uh, I'll squeeze in some weights or, um, you know, some, some, some running at some point. Um, spend a bit of time with the kids and try and see my wife, uh, for lunch every day, obviously. Uh, I say try and see her. I mean, she's always around. We're in the house, obviously, but, um, but you know, from, from three till six, I'm on the phone with the U S every day, uh, Monday to Friday with our team over there. And, uh, tonight I'm on QVC, which should be fun. Oh, have you done it before? Yeah, I've done it once before. Oh, that's uh, that's going to be amazing. Is that for the Clinko? Yeah, yeah. So we're cool. selling gin tonight. Uh, but no, I mean, uh, it's nice to try and kind of vary your day and keep it a bit different. But uh, no, the reality is, uh, you know, I, lo- I love our, our work and we're making great progress and, you know, happy with the family. So not too much to complain about. And we just crack on and get our bits done. And in the evening, Vogue and I will kind of, once we put the kids down at seven, we'll have a... Uh, 
time together. We'd try and watch a box set. You know, we're, we're in bed pretty early, unfortunately. You know, we're asleep. Uh, we're asleep by nine. Wow, that's early. But you're up early and then you're doing night feeds. So, like, there's loads going on. You're just yeah, busy. I'm asleep from nine until 11. Then I get up and feed Gigi. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a dream feed, by the way. So, she will, she will, I'll pick her up when she's asleep, pump her full of five ounces of warm milk and put her back in bed. She doesn't even know it's happened. <laughs> I know. Dream feeds are amazing. No, it's like that. Imagine imagine the luxury of being held and fed <laughs> when you're asleep and then put back in bed. You, you you go to bed feeling, I'm a little bit hungry, and then you wake up not hungry. Imagine why that is. <laughs> it's so it's the most incredible thing. And how they don't wake is what just fascinates me. How they don't wake up. It's hilarious. They are yeah. asleep while they're drinking their milk. It's so funny. It's very cute. And yes. so do you do you find cooking relaxing in the evening? Will you both do you both cook or just do you like is it one night Spencer, one night Vogue, or how does it work? Um Vogue probably cooks a bit more than me. Um Vogue probably cooks a bit more than me, but uh no, it's kind of like we try and we try and um, we try and keep things varied and, and kind of fair in the house. She loves cooking. I obviously have, I've done MasterChef a couple of times, and I, I love cooking too. But um, you know, we often keep things really simple. We'll often eat the same thing that we make Theodore, uh, and he eats at five, and sometimes we'll eat at five. You know, just to make it so we can all sit together. That's nice. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's fine. You know, we 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 kind of just get on with things like a normal family. And are you getting, do you think you're becoming more like your own parents as you get older? Yeah, I certainly hope so. I mean, I, I, had, a, I had a lovely childhood and, and always really looked up to my dad and, and, and my mum. Mum couldn't be kinder and, and, you know, more kind of genuine and puts herself second in any situation, always looks after everyone. And I've always looked up to my dad and thought he had incredible, you know, uh, business skill and, you know, is able to, um, you know, layer deals particularly effectively. And, you know, I always, uh, yeah. So if I, if I could be like them, I certainly would choose to be. Can you, can you remember, um, or can you share with me the highest point in your life and the lowest point in your life? Um, the highest point in my life. Um, I suppose the highest point in my life will have been recently, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a completely different person now to, to how I, I have been for a lot of my twenties. I feel like, you know, some of the stuff which hopefully you'll be reading in the Financial Times, you know, in the not too distant future mm-hmm. is stuff that I would have thought was entirely impossible of myself um, as early as two years ago. So, you know, this whole clean code journey for me has been nothing short of amazing. You know, some of the people that we have on our board of directors now and, you know, in, who've invested in the company are like, huge names who you'll know you know i'm not gonna say who they are right now because it's coming out in eight weeks or so but like it's it's gonna take the company global and everywhere and we'll you know it'll it'll be it'll be just amazing and you know i guess i'll always um feel like i was responsible for that initially so you know at the moment my life uh is in a really uh almost unexpected um uh, awesome place, um, unexpectedly awesome place. Uh, and so, you know, the, I'm living a kind of high constantly at the moment. The low, um, I don't know, was probably around the time that I was habitually drinking too much and not achieving anything with my life. And, you know, I, I, I suppose I thought for a split second, you know, six, five, six months before Theodore was born that perhaps I'd make a terrible father, um, which was a, a pretty, you know, low place to be. Uh, cause I've always wanted to be a great father. Um, my brother died when I was 10, you know, and that was, uh, that was a bit of a blow, but fortunately I was, I was so young that, mm. uh, it didn't hit home in the way that it could have, uh, had I been slightly older, but yeah, I suppose my kind of darker days, you know, four or five years ago, even though I was having a good time in inverted commas, uh, I felt, you know, very empty, but useless, vacuous, um, pathetic almost, uh, in some of my decisions to, to, you know, not grasp, uh, opportunity and, you know, seize the future. Totally. So, uh, you, you totally evolved as a person. It sounds like it's, it's really yeah. amazing. 
And would you describe yourself as a spiritual person? And when I ask that question, I mean, do you believe that what you put out there comes back to you and all that kind of stuff? Um, I think it's hard to ignore uh, that element of life. I think if you if you've I, I don't believe that if you blindly and flat out disagree with that, that bad things will happen to you. But I think it's nice in human nature to have some belief of a greater good like that. Um, you know, if you do nice things for people, nice things will happen to you. Uh, work hard, you know, make a difference and, 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 you know, be kind. And, you know, and I think, I think one thing's for sure when you are on a, on a bit of a, when you are on a roll, on a good roll and you are kind to everyone and you do make time for people less fortunate perhaps. And, you know, and, and you are available, the, the things do tend to, to go your way as opposed to being, you know, an incredibly selfish, you know, self-obsessed, you know, character who, who, who's not open to the world, things tend to not go your way. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel, you know, incredible things rarely happen to to, to nasty people. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to at least be open to, to the view that, you know, if you put in if you if you send out good vibes, uh, you'll receive them. I think that's a, a fair way to exist. Definitely. And who has inspired you the most in your life? Uh, my brother has inspired me an awful lot. So is my dad. My other brother, Mike, who, who we lost on Mount Everest, is probably the most inspiring person in my life. Uh, he was the youngest Brit to reach the summit of Mount Everest and my experienced gosh. some oxygen difficulty on the way down, and we, we lost oh. him. Um, oh when he was just 22. Oh. So he inspires me. And I often find myself thinking that, you know, he's, he's helping and kind of puppeting me through yes. uh, this successful kind of life that I've always wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to think like that anyway. Um, my wife inspires me. I think she's brilliant. Uh, she works harder than most people I know and just cares enormously about the family. She's the most wonderful mother uh, and wife to me. Um, so she's fantastic. My sister inspires me. I tend to keep a very close group, you know, like I, I'm a very family kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'll have, you know, hundreds of people that I know and get along very well with, but you know, I wouldn't blindly trust anyone outside of my family. Um, and the people who inspire me most are probably those who are closest to me, uh, and who I know the best. And where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Ooh, um, I'm not sure. It's a, it's, a, it's a tricky question. Uh, certainly, uh, if 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 we're still in CleanCo, then I see us being publicly traded by then. If we're still involved, mm-hmm. um, if we're not, we will have sold, uh, and I will be doing something else uh, with an attachment, obviously, to to CleanCo. It'll always be my. Um, I'll always have a big focus on it, whether or not I'm still involved in the business. A lot, a lot of, a lot of things can happen to to a, to a rapidly growing business. You never quite know, you know, if if our business was to be acquired, I, I don't know what my role would be going forward. You know, I'm not a typical chief executive officer. You know, I'm not what a blue chip company would look for in a in a CEO. So, you know, I'm not sure what my position would be uh, were we to be acquired. Uh, and if it was to become publicly traded, I don't know what kind of part I'd play in it either. So it, 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 10 years is quite a long way away. Five years, um, similar issues, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I've got a, I've got a particularly kind of, I've got a creative mind and I've got a few mm-hmm. other ideas that, you know, I, I'd like in a, in a very similar space. Uh, but ultimately I'd like to keep pushing, uh, the same message that I am now, I think the alcohol message is incredibly important. I think it's more relevant now than ever. So whatever I do going forward, I can see that playing a big part in in my work. Excellent. And my final question, what advice would you give to your younger self? My advice would be to myself that, you know, if you, if you try, if, if you actually get your head down and work hard and don't cut corners, um, you can achieve great things. And that goes for anyone, not just me. Uh, you know, I feel that what often got in my way was thinking that, you know, that wasn't you or that you couldn't do it. Uh, and I think, you know, trying to realize your full potential is, is very important and there's nothing more rewarding than feeling like you're getting there. So even if you think it's a million miles away, try and give it a go. And if that means making some minor changes to your life, like, 
drinking a little bit less or working a little bit harder, then I suggest giving it a go. Exactly. You just never know where it's going to lead you. I mean, you are really an example. Well, thank you very much. It's very kind of you. And I'm going to quickly ask you just one quick thing. It's yeah. called the quick fire round of questions. It's okay. uh, one or the other. Are you ready? Yep. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Socks or jocks? Socks. Which do you do more, text or talk? Talk. Caribbean or London? Caribbean. Holidays, home or abroad? Uh, abroad. Cat or dog? Dog. Horse racing or skiing? Skiing. Cooking or baking? Cooking. Online or in-store shopping? On, on For me, in-store, but I'm kind of moving towards online a bit because... You have to. <laughs> yeah. Taxi or walk? Uh, walk. Diamonds or Clinko? Clinko. Eat in or take out? Uh, eat in. 2021 or 2022? 2021. Live in, the, live in the present. Let's go. I love it. Spencer, thank you so much for joining me today. Cheers, Arlene. That's very kind. Looking forward to seeing you uh, post-lockdown. Exactly. You take care. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye.